this industry was becoming a race to the bottom when everything was focused around deals. It was just cheapening a product that is very challenging to deliver. But then also on the consumer side, it really just felt like a transaction. And the studios that do it well, that really are successful, are delivering a whole experience where the client feels like they are a unique individual receiving a personalized experience. Hello, my name is Lauren D'Souza, and you're listening to Retain, the Customer Retention Podcast. More and more companies are wanting to focus on retaining customers, but what exactly are the powers of customer retention? And how are companies using it to keep their customers coming back for more? That's what we're here to find out. All right. Welcome back, everybody who's joining our show today. I am delighted to be joined by business management expert, Laura Monkholm. Laura is the co-founder and president of Walla, a boutique studio software built to save time, capture more revenue, and delight your clients. Laura has firsthand experience consulting with hundreds of clients and is an internationally recognized speaker in the boutique fitness industry. Laura, thank you so much for coming to the show today. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, on a typical pattern when I start these shows is always finding out about the background of the person joining us because what's really nice and exciting about the show is that we bring on so many different guests, all different backgrounds. I usually hear some pretty interesting stories, but Mm -hmm. funny enough, when you said yes to joining us on the show and we were getting everything ready, when I was checking out Walla, the first question I had in my mind was, how did you come up with that name? I'm so curious. (laughs) So maybe take it a step back and ask you how you got started with the business, but I also really want to know how did you get the name Walla for your business. Walla. Okay, perfect. I love this question because it was kind of a journey to come up with the name. First of all, when my business partner and I started Walla, we were adamant about the fact that we didn't want to name our company something with fit, well, or book in it because almost every competitor out there, everybody who'd built a scheduling software or a boutique fitness or gym software had those words in it. You looked at the websites, they were basically interchangeable. There was no real brand differentiator. And we just, you know, started thinking about what words described our company and what feeling we wanted our clients to have. And so we actually worked with a really great brand agency in San Diego called Grizzly. And they did a great exercise with us. We really worked on like, okay, what words do you want people to think of when they think of Walla? So we, you know, joyful, vibrant, forward thinking. We were coming into this as kind of a giant leap forward from a technology perspective in our industry, just leaps and bounds ahead of where the boutique fitness industry was. And so at one point, we kept using those words like a giant step forward, leaping forward, jumping forward. And somebody said, wallaby, like a joyful, like vibrant, fun wallaby. And we both wanted a short name. So we loved Walla. And (laughs) then the W that we designed kind of looked like, you know, kangaroo or wallaby feet. And we went with it. We loved how fun it was. It also kind of sounded like voila when people (laughs) said it who had kind of an accent. So I don't know, we've done all kinds of plays on it now, but ultimately it really came from the description of how we wanted people to feel when they interacted with our business. That is really cool. I was so curious because I was like, I can't even take a guess on how this name came about. But also because there's so many different meanings behind that word, actually. 
and I in know. so many different like cultures and things like that. So it's actually really exactly when I saw that. I was like, what? That is so interesting. Super funny story. I don't know if it's Arabic or Israeli, one of the two. It means like, oh my God, or oh God, like in a good way, like <laughs> praise be to God. And that's actually the name of one of their news outlets. But when the World Cup was going on, one of the people that works at our company was in an airport when, I can't remember who it was, but one of the teams from the Middle East had scored a goal and everybody in the airport started chanting Walla like around this bar <laughs> and she videoed it and was like you guys everyone's chanting our name the brand recognition <laughs> is next level <laughs> yes 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 so unbeknownst to us we had done something kind of fun <laughs> that is awesome well I really love that and Thanks. speaking of Walla what inspired you to build this company? So I started out in the boutique fitness industry in my early 20s. I fell in love with yoga after a college athletics career and started teaching yoga on the side of my sales job and was you know climbing the ranks in a recruiting firm in a sales role and just loved the outlet of yoga on the side. So I would practice yoga, I would teach yoga, and naturally just with a business background and sales background, I started helping the studios out a little bit that I worked with. And one particular owner would be like, why do you always sell more memberships? And like, how do you do it? What are you doing differently? And, you know, she'd always ask me to help her fix things in the software. It was eye-opening that there was a level of professionalism and business acumen really missing in this industry, especially in yoga. I mean, some of the big box gyms had people with very savvy business backgrounds running the show, but boutique studios were often, you know, a teacher who was fantastic at what they did and ultimately wanted to scale their offerings and hire a bunch of other teachers that were similar. And they can be very profitable businesses, but they really didn't have a great way of running the show behind the scenes. There's been kind of a main 800 pound gorilla in the space called Mind Body for a long time. And so I actually ended up running a big studio for a couple of years. So I got the behind the scenes, how to do everything from managing the PL to marketing to managing a team and the software, having to become an expert in Mind Body. And I ultimately became a Mind Body software consultant and worked okay. with hundreds of studios around the world, helping them leverage and use the software to its most ideal functionality for their business, teaching them how to understand the metrics and the KPIs they needed to grow their businesses, how to attract more clients and how to retain clients and then measure those things. And at the end of the day, I built an online community for all of the business owners that use their software called MindBody One years ago. And I just kept hearing the same things over and over and over, the same challenges, the same complaints, the same frustrations. And it just didn't seem like MindBody was moving forward. They were stuck with very antiquated technology that was not really helping businesses move into this especially digital age. So actually right before COVID, my business partner and I started talking about building Walla and we formed the company, I think, in March of 2020. So it was nice. funny timing. <laughs> Excellent. But actually, yeah, it ended up being fantastic timing because we got to build while studios were shut down and we saw what were like knee-jerk reactions versus trends that were sticking around and how consumers right. were reacting and existing in this new digital landscape. And it worked out perfectly because we got to kind of beta with studios as they were reopening and right. try some things, see what worked, see what didn't. And Experiment then, very quickly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think everybody was in that very open-minded mindset at For that sure. point in time because everything they ever knew about running their business was out the door. And we got to step in right then. 
That is awesome. Very interesting. And actually, I used to work at a hair salon, so I know all about mind blowing. Oh, no I used to work okay. on it all the time. So I very much know that both from a customer point of view and from a receptionist point of view. So yeah, definitely experienced yeah. that before. Oh, how <laughs> but, That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's great though. And so I'm curious to know, what would you define as your key elements of your role and what do you focus on on a day-to-day within mm-hmm. your role within the company? Yeah. So that has evolved quite a bit over the last few years. I mean, for the first two years, we were tech startup and I was doing everything, right? right? Like essentially anything client facing and anything helping to explain the use cases and the design that we needed in the product. So my first role was what do we need this product to do? My business partner is an amazing strategist and also software designer. And our CTO, the three of us would just sit there and talk and talk and talk. And I'd tell them what the problem was and what my ideal solution was. And they'd ask me questions and we'd just kind of go in this triangular conversation. And then the next day they would have something built and I would give feedback and then we'd go back and forth. So started there and then evolved into really finding our core initial group of clients. So very focused on sales and sales has evolved as my kind of passion in this business. I've always had a sales background, so that doesn't surprise anyone, but I definitely love the client facing side of things. That's why I'm doing what I'm doing is I want to make these businesses more successful and allow these unbelievably passionate studio owners to make a greater impact in their communities. So I'm very focused on sales and now my role is kind of moving into a little bit more, you know, I'm out there, I'm speaking, I'm doing things like this podcast. I'm bringing a lot more brand awareness out to the community because we've proven our concept. We have very happy clients and now it's time to shout from the rooftops. And I've kind of become the natural person to do that for the company. That's awesome. And actually speaking of the whole mission behind trying to empower these studio owners, because they're so passionate, you're trying to support them to what they do. I absolutely love that because I think it's wonderful Like for studio owners. They're so passionate about what they do that they obviously need that support because it's hard to do everything. You can't do everything all in one go. You need that support, whether it's through your software or other operational things that they may need help with. So I'm curious to know from your point of view, because I'm sure you've talked to hundreds and hundreds of studio owners at this point, what are some of the ways that you help them boost their engagement or what are they looking for when they're trying to boost their engagement using your platform? Yeah, great question. I think this is a relatively new concept for a lot of studios that they actually have to focus in on continued engagement. There was always that, okay, how do we get new people through the door? And you know, it's hard to get people to start a new wellness or workout regimen. But then I think a lot of businesses rested on their laurels, believing that their programming was good enough to just keep people. And now there is a tremendous amount of competition and there's always a new fitness trend and people could be working out at home. So there's a greater demand for businesses in this industry to engage and retain their clients in a way that they haven't had to do before. So they really are looking for answers and new ways to do that. Traditionally in this industry, it's been all about when can I send the right deal at the right time to get somebody to walk back in the door. So if somebody had a five pack of classes at my business, they use them up and they haven't been into the studio in three months. How do I get them to come back in? Okay, great. Like 30 days in, 60 days in, 45 days in, I'll send a 25% off promo code to buy their next package. So it's been very, very heavily focused around deals. 
which is a nice quick fix. Like it may get eyeballs and it may get people through the door, but people don't stick around because they save $25. And fitness and wellness is a very emotional and very personal kind of vulnerable thing for a lot of people. So we looked at that and said, how can we do this differently in the age of customization and personalization in everything? How can we make this feel personalized? So we ended up working with a group of behavioral psychologists and researchers in behavioral psychology, specifically around wellness practices. They designed a personality quiz for us that is essentially what we call your motivation language. When you onboard with a Walla client or like a studio that uses Walla, when you create your profile, you'll get an email inviting you to take this test. It takes two minutes and it ultimately gives you one of four personality types. And we deliver information to the consumer, that person who took the test saying, you know, hey, you're a thinker or you're a giver or you're a maverick. Here are the things that really motivate you and that you need more of as you're trying to build a habit with this fitness practice. Here are the things that typically are hurdles for your personality type, right? And can deter you from stepping back in the door. So let's talk about that. You know, like how can you arm yourself with some tools to avoid those hurdles or get over those hurdles? Right. So that's the consumer side of it. And then the studio gets that information. And at check-in, they've got a little colored ring around the person's profile picture, and it'll give you tips on how to communicate like, Givers, for example, love the, Hey, how's your family doing? Thank you so much for coming in. God, it's great to see you. You know, Sarah was asking about you. You guys should take a class together. They want to be involved in the community and they really need the external motivation versus a maverick who maybe comes in on their own volition. They are intrinsically motivated. Any kind of like the shout outs and like the, Hey, you're doing great in class feels very condescending and fake. So. We're trying to encourage and teach staff members at studios to communicate more effectively with individuals, which without something like this is very challenging to do because you have a group of sometimes, you know, 20 to 40 people in a room. And so this helps them quickly get to know people a little bit easier. But then from a marketing perspective and an engagement perspective, we also deliver the personality test into marketing systems so that they can then take into, you know, whether it be our marketing marketing suite or, you know, even just MailChimp sending newsletters, you can alter the content based on personality type. So you can send a nurture campaign to a giver that looks very different from a nurture campaign that you send to a thinker or a maverick. And we've ultimately really just started kind of tip of the iceberg, seeing the data come back in and how people are engaging. But the goal here is to really help these studios with retention in a much more meaningful way and then help them prevent churn, help them ultimately impact people's lives longer term. I think that's honestly really, really interesting because even just thinking about my own personal experience, I could name you 10 different fitness studios around my area. I've tried all of them, haven't really connected that well with any of them. and just go to my gym now because I find that it's just very hard for me to do so. But you're so right because there's a yoga studio, there's an F45, there's meditation studios, there's all these different forms of fitness studios around. But the thing is, at the end of the day, honestly, in my opinion, it's the same thing that they're offering. Like it's a workout at the end of the day where I'm trying to use some sort of means to get to my end goal, where it must be really hard for them to differentiate. So that's actually really interesting because I was even just thinking through some of the description that you said, I think I'm very much more a maverick than I am a giver. And so 
I can actually think of one specific experience of being at a yoga studio where I just didn't like the whole shout out thing. I didn't like the, like, you mm-hmm. got this or whatever. I'm just like, I'm here to push myself to work out, not to be like given the shout out. But yeah. having that even that slight personalization, and I'm sure it was not really like, didn't take you a whole year to work on something like that. It's like very interesting, small tidbit that really changes the personalization yeah. happening in that customer journey. Could have changed the entire experience for myself as well. <laughs> exactly. And I think one of the things we recognized was, first of all, this industry was becoming a race to the bottom. When everything was focused yes. around deals, it was just cheapening a product that is very challenging to deliver something that's quality, expensive. Yes. And I don't know, it just became unmanageable and unsustainable for a lot of businesses. But then also on the consumer side, on the flip side, it really just felt like a transaction. And like you said, you're just going somewhere for a workout. And the studios that do it well, that really are successful, are delivering a whole experience where the client feels like they are a unique individual receiving a personalized experience, even in a class setting. And when you can give even these little bits of information, even if it's one question that you end up asking somebody in a specific way, that might be the difference between them walking back in the door or not. That is so true. And so I guess those are some of the challenges that you see with this kind of market, because I also think it's a really good example of a market to study, because given the fact Mm. that A, it's hard to differentiate the actual product that you're delivering if you think about it. And B, like you said, it can't be a price competition. It's so hard that way because there is an end to that. (laughs) Also, it's hard to price these things like very cheap because obviously it's the actual studios, the overhead costs, the instructors, et cetera, whatnot. But I'm curious when we've talked a little bit about the challenges of this market, what are some of the opportunities you see in this market? Because I'm sure another thing that you're also seeing is that it's constantly evolving, just like how you mentioned earlier that even like workout challenges are changing, workout types are changing, things like that. So what are some of the opportunities you see in the market on the flip side of things? One of the opportunities that we talk about all the time and the industry talks about all the time is that we've consistently seen 20% of Americans have a regular workout practice, membership at a gym, have exercise as part of their weekly routine. And that number really, the needle hasn't moved on that. It's really been a challenge. And it's not to say the other 80% doesn't dip their toe in, like they take a class or they, you know, buy a Peloton or whatever, but they don't use it. And so opportunity lies in kind of cracking the code on the 80% and understanding how we can get people to see fitness and wellness as less of a means to an end for changing your body and more of a lifestyle where you are increasing your overall wellness. You are able to do the things that you care about in life outside of that. You know, like it's going to prime you to be able to, you know, coach your kid's soccer team or run that 5k or whatever it is that you care about. Even go out salsa dancing. You know, we have people that say like that's their why because they love salsa dancing and they keep coming back to their yoga classes because it keeps them limber enough to do it. So kind of cracking the code is one of the big topics of conversation on the 80%. And I really have seen a dramatic shift in the brand messaging and marketing that a lot of fitness businesses are approaching now. And it's less about, you know, get your summer body and it's more about lifestyle, which is beautiful. And I think it's been needed for a really long time. The other opportunity is really 
what digital has done for us. We've opened an opportunity up for people who have been incredibly intimidated to step in the doors of a gym or a studio to give something a try online at home until they're comfortable with whatever that modality is and feel confident enough to step in the door. So there's a whole new way that people can enter the fitness landscape in a very cost-effective way, essentially. And so it's not only giving people that excuse to give it a try when otherwise they'd be too intimidated, but it's also democratizing access with a very inexpensive way to get quality programming. I mean, fact of the matter is I did a Peloton strength class this morning. I belong to a studio, but the timing didn't work out for me today. So I was able to do a Peloton strength class this morning from my laptop. And I mean, I've been in fitness for a long time. It was an incredibly quality experience, right? Yeah. And that's what is Peloton, like 30 bucks a month. So there's an opportunity. You don't even have to have a bike. You can do all of the other workouts. And a lot of the studios now have incorporated video on demand programming, or they live stream their classes from the studios so they can meet people in whatever situation they're in and still give them an opportunity to try out the incredible programming and classes they have to offer. Yeah. And it's a great point too, because obviously they have to adapt to this ever-changing market. They have to find new ways to go about it. And if that opportunity is not 80% and it's a dial that hasn't moved in a while, that means that it's ripe for disruption or ripe for someone to come in and do something absolutely different and turn it on its head. But one thing I'm also curious about, which you actually touched on a slightly before, and I kind of want to bring it back, is you mentioned the use of personalization and customization. Mm-hmm. And I'm just curious, like how big of a role does that play in marketing and retention of these clients? Because obviously, like these words are big buzzwords, but there must be more to it that matters yes. when retaining these customers, because I imagine it's a very hard thing to try and figure out when you're starting out as a new business yeah. in this space. You know, one of the kind of aha moments, light bulb moments when we were starting Walla that happened to me is, you know, thinking about how studios communicate with their clients right now. Everybody is kind of focused in on how can I automate all of this communication and have it, you know, off my plate happening behind the scenes. That's great. I absolutely love automated communication if you can find a way to personalize it because you know, I happened to get an email from a studio that I hadn't been to in about a month. We miss you was the subject. And I was like, this is the exact same email I've gotten from other businesses. So I just typed in, we miss you in my Gmail search field. And I had almost a page of the, <laughs> I mean, almost verbatim. They're really missing you, Laura. <laughs> yes, exactly. But not from one studio, from tons of studios. <laughs> so all of those studios are leveraging the same verbiage for every person, whether it's a man, a woman, a you know, somebody who's 25 or somebody who's 65, somebody who's been to their studio a hundred times or someone who's been to their studio twice. So the gap between the status quo and what other industries are doing for personalization and customization is so enormous in this industry. That's what we saw as crazy ripe for disruption. And we're actually launching our big marketing suite this month. So we've got a huge product launch coming. Thank you. It's a very exciting time because I've been working on these for a while. But one of the things we really focused on was we need to give the ability to segment based on everything, right? Like to be able to customize your communication based on number of visits, based on type of classes they've gone to, based on personality type, and even layer those segments so that you can really hone in on an audience. And when I open an email that says we miss you, or that has a much different subject than we miss you, hopefully, 
it feels like you're speaking to me. And I know that not every person got that same email. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's so, so key. It's something that we're always focused on with our clients at Gameball as well. We also have a whole segmentation section and analytics to understand the customer behaviors. But the real key there is that not every customer is the same and you can't be treating them the same. Because the fact is, everyone is there for different reasons. Even if it's the same right. product that you're selling to a thousand different people, everyone has different motivations, different personality types, different things that denote who they are and why they bought. So yeah. I think having that as part of your software is really important because I honestly haven't heard of anything like that myself. Because honestly, you think of this industry a little bit outdated in terms of the software. So it's nice to see companies like yours come in and do something innovative, new, refreshed, and actually take on like the big tech thinking, but for an industry that needs that kind of thinking implemented into it, which is really interesting. And so a couple of these things that we've been talking about have obviously been around retention and how do you really keep people coming back through the doors of those gyms and studios and things like that. I'm curious to know from your experience and your lens of the boutique fitness industry, what do you think are some of the questions that companies must know the answers to when they're building their retention strategy? Like what is key questions to be asking, whether it's fitness or not, but I'm curious to know from your lens and your perspective, what are some of the key questions that they need to be asking? Yeah. One of the key questions, first of all, is when people come in for their first visit, what percentage of them come in for a second? That question right there, so their first visit retention is massive. It tells the story of how the class, the programming was. Did their brand, their online presence tell a story that feels accurate to somebody? They walked in and got what they were expecting to get. And it also shows that your team has done a great job of welcoming that person in, making them feel confident and comfortable to step in the door again and left them wanting more. So that's one of the first key metrics that we look at and questions that we talk to businesses about when we're looking at their overall retention. And industry-wide, we see typically about 50% of people come in once and don't come back. So we try really hard to work with our customers on making sure the number's higher than that. The other thing is that class pass has affected our industry pretty significantly. I was going to just about to ask that. Yeah. So with class pass, that has really shrunk the number of people that come back for a second visit right. because they're people that are just like zero intention of sticking around with you. They're yes. just coming in because they want to try it out once or, you know, maybe they'll come back. But again, it's something that we want to look at. We have to measure are those people from class pass yeah. coming back for a second because that opens the door to us selling them a 10 pack that they could use outside of their class pass membership when there aren't enough spaces available for class pass folks and your 5 PM class. So that's one of the key questions. The other is in the industry, we typically have studios offer some sort of new client special, right? Maybe it's a first class free, maybe it's a month of unlimited classes for 80 bucks or something. The conversion rate from that intro special to the next purchase is a really critical time in the customer journey. So anybody can say, yes, I'll sign up for a free week or for a free class. It's really, did you make enough of an impact during that time and essentially convince this person that this modality is something that is going to enhance their life so much they can't live without it, right? And let's be honest, boutique fitness is not cheap. You know, we look at some... Pilates studios, like there's a Pilates studio in New York that we were just talking to. Their membership is $350 a month. I mean, it's expensive. There are others that go down to, you know, you can find circuit training studio that might be $99 a month or $129. But for the most part, this is a, a high price offering. So in order to really, really 
convince this person that something they need and can't live without in their life, there's a lot of work that has to be done in that first window of time, that new client special period. So one of the questions that we encourage studios to ask is what is our conversion rate and what are we doing during that time to nurture those clients and to make them feel like this isn't just a transaction? Yeah. And I think honestly, all those points that you just made is not just specific to the fitness industry because it's so important. It's so applicable to all other industries like e-commerce, et cetera. It's so important because understanding those key points along the initial customer journey and that first day, five days, 10 days, 30 days, et cetera, Mm -hmm. is so important. Quick thing is as clients stick around with them for a while. So let's say they've been a member of that studio for three months, for five months. One of the things we really encourage our clients to ask is how are you adding value outside the studio? So that's something that, again, the digital landscape has given us a whole new way to add value. In Walla, we have video on demand libraries or courses that they can sell. So maybe, you know, over the holidays, they offer their members a free six week meditation course to get you through the stressful six weeks of the end of the year. Or they provide at home stretching techniques after the circuit training class. So you you can help balance your soreness, but also delivering content from the actual instructors. Maybe it's encouragement with nutrition or sleep or any of the other things that can really end up derailing somebody on their wellness journey. So we ask the question often and we encourage studios to look at what their content strategy is once they've hooked somebody into the membership, because that's what's going to continue adding value outside of the class. The second those people leave the studio, they are bombarded with ads for every other fitness modality out yes, there. So, true. so there. it's like, yeah, exactly. Like I, in my Instagram feed, it is like unbelievable oh, how many. Yeah. So you've got to stay top of mind and not just top of mind with pretty pictures, but valuable content. Yeah. And I find also what I've been seeing on my Instagram a lot recently after trying other different yoga studios and F45 and this and that and whatever is actually what you said earlier, which I thought was also quite interesting is that people are moving away from the bodybuilder, like has to be the be all end all of fitness to more of like the fitting into lifestyle and how it fits into who you are and just having this idea of wellness. And a lot of these ads are more so like, it's part of your lifestyle. It's part of making you feel good, helping you get to all those different goals and mental clarity and stuff like that, which is interesting, but also a reminder to studios and these studio owners that you consistently have to keep up with the trends at the time, because This is probably one of the most rapidly evolving markets for trends coming and going in terms of all the different things that it encompasses, which I can't imagine, which is crazy. (laughs) You know, coming back to opportunity, the beauty of this industry is that there are boatloads of research articles, science that support the idea that exercise helps mental health. And we are struggling so desperately with mental health in this country and this industry in specific, in particular, has a way to meet people in a more personalized fashion than just a gym. So we're not only helping with the physical health, we have such a tremendous opportunity to help with the mental health aspect of overall wellness, specifically loneliness, which has become a pandemic in and of itself. You know, there's so much science out there about the impact of loneliness, specifically post-pandemic. And these studios become communities. And we see time and time again, whether it's yoga church on Sunday morning or a Murph workout at a CrossFit studio or any number of things where they bring their communities together, 
this is where people are finding their home and their friends and their relationships. You know, it's a really amazing opportunity for this industry to step into that role and play the container for that interaction. Yeah, no, I really like them. In terms of these innovative retention strategies and ways that studio owners are finding really great ways to retain their clients. Do you have any examples of ones that you really like or one that you've seen that you were just like blown away by the whole experience? Any interesting examples you have? For sure. So one of my favorite clients is a chain of studios in Denver called The River. And it's yoga studios started with one maybe 10 years ago, have grown to, I think they have three right now. They have done such an unbelievable job of not only bringing the community together for events and working on continued opportunities for people to engage with their studios, even outside the studio's four walls. So from Yoga on the Rocks at Red Rocks to doing activism, like their studio works quite a bit with different, whether it's the LBGTQ community or other communities in Denver where they literally get out and march together, or they're constantly evolving their communication for clients, whether it's email marketing, text message marketing, but then also, you know, bringing people together on retreats and the community effort that I've seen from that business. It's all of the above, right? Like they're not just doing one thing and, you know, sending great emails. They're sending great emails and checking in with a personalized text and offering these opportunities for community to get together. So when they opened their most recent studio, the artwork they decided to put on the walls was all of the tattoos that people have gotten who go to their businesses, like with their logo or they had so many people who would come in and be like, oh my gosh, the river inspired this tattoo that I just got. That is crazy. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? They had a photographer do a session. Lifelong commitment. (laughs) Right. And I was like, you guys, I have goosebumps whenever I think about it because it was so powerful to show the absolute full life impact that business has had on dozens of people, not just one person getting a tattoo. They did a full photo shoot because they had so many. I think if you reach the point as a business that you have multiple customers tattooing themselves in relation to your brand, you've hit the jackpot. Yes, (laughs) That is really awesome. Exactly. Point is they've put a tremendous amount of effort into a very authentic mission and they've used many different modalities to connect and engage with their clients over the years. And they continue to do that. So It's not just like a one-time spend on marketing, you know, for three months and then they wait for a while. This is like an evolving, continuous process for them. That is really awesome. I'm definitely going to check that out. I mean, not in Denver, but still. Anytime you're in Denver, go check out the river. (laughs) I definitely will. That's awesome. Well, I think with that awesome example, we'll bring the conversation to a close because hard to top the tattoos, I will say. I think it's just a great lesson of finding unique ways based and rooted in missions that you care about and doing things that don't have to be just slapping out an email campaign and hoping it works, but actually doing something that you care about and building a community as a result. And you can find retention in all these unique, creative, organic ways. So just to end off our podcast for today, what we typically like to do on this podcast is we like to do a lightning round. So just a couple quick questions to get to know more about you and just some fun questions to end off the episode. So lightning round question number one, what are three attributes that you think everyone in marketing needs to have? Open-mindedness, because you've got to try a lot of different things and you never know what's going to stick. Grit, 
just the hustle and the constant work that it takes to make sure people are aware of your business and interested in stepping through the doors or engaging with you. And then I'd say empathy, because you really need to understand what your consumer is going through. I love that. And I think so applicable to honestly any role. So I love that as well. All of your answers are just so applicable to everybody. It's so (laughs) very, very malleable for different roles. So Uh that's awesome. All right. Second question. In your opinion, which one do you think is harder? Which I think I know the answer already, but I'm curious to see what you say. Customer acquisition or customer retention? In our industry, I would say customer acquisition because there is still 80% of the population who is not walking through our doors. I think the natural answer here would be retention because it is hard to keep people coming back for sure. But the fact that we're still fighting a battle where we've got 20% of the population who engages with us, that's got to be it. That is a great answer. I was definitely going to suspect that you were going to answer retention because of our whole conversation, but that's awesome. Love when people change it up on me. (laughs) Okay. Last question. The lightning round is who would you like to see a biopic about in the marketing world and who would play them? I think somebody who I look up to so much just in business sales marketing in general is Sarah Blakely. So I think that would be an amazing one. She's been able to, from like the grit and the hustle day one to building a consistent brand that, I mean, she got to the point where from a marketing perspective, people call everything Spanx, whether they're Spanx or not. It's like she's reached the Uber, the Google stage, right? Where it's (laughs) Yes, Kleenex. Yes, exactly. So that to me is pretty incredible. God, who would play her? She's so fun. (laughs) (laughs) At least she appears to be so fun. I wish I knew her. Gosh, maybe like I can see Reese Witherspoon being really good at I love that. (laughs) Yeah, she would be good. (laughs) Also a good actor. Love that one as well. Yeah. All right. And last but not least, we always like to end off on an interesting note. So the last question I have for you today is Is there a piece of marketing or life advice that someone shared with you once that has always stayed with you? Yeah, it's actually a Brene Brown quote that I carry with me all the time. And I feel like in marketing, it's particularly important. The quote goes something like, perfectionism is like a 20 ton shield that we think is protecting us. But in fact, it's the only thing preventing us from taking flight. And I think it is so easy in business and marketing, especially to keep working and chipping away and trying for that perfect message. But at the end of the day, there's so much to be found in the mess between starting and the perfect message, right? And if we miss all of that, that is just so much opportunity that is lost. So anyway, I love that quote. I come back to it for many different things, whether it's motherhood, you know, my kids are, (laughs) I'm certainly not the perfect parent, but in business, sales, marketing, leadership, all of it. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. That's really insightful. And thank you so much for being on the show today. I know a lot of our listeners will love this interesting, almost niche take on a specific Mm -hmm. industry and what they can learn from that for their own businesses. So thank you again for joining us and have a lovely rest of your day. Thank you. Great to meet you. Thanks. Retain the Customer Retention Podcast is brought to you by Gameball. To find out how you can turn visitors and occasional buyers into loyal lifetime customers, head to gameball.co. Make sure to subscribe to Retain the Customer Retention Podcast in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, so you never miss an episode. Thanks for joining me, and I'll see you next time.